Hello and welcome to another podcast episode entitled Curtain Twitchers. <laughs> I'll come to that in a minute. Uh, first of all, the weather report. Where are we? Eight o'clock in the morning. 15 centigrade. That is low, isn't it? That's 59 Fahrenheit. 15 centigrade. The sun is out. The sky is sort of becoming blue, but it's not nice. 88% humidity. 1016 millibars. And the flag, we're kind of from the west. I don't know. It, it can't make up its mind. It's going all round the pole. But 15 degrees, 59 Fahrenheit, that's kind of autumnal, isn't it? It's not good at all. I remember as a kid looking on thermometers that you'd have in the house. They were Fahrenheit only, most of them. And you'd have a, it would say comfort zone. And I'm sure that was 60 degrees something. Say, I don't know, say 64 to 66, something like that, was a comfort zone. So we're not even in that. And it's August. It's, I don't know, it's just awful, isn't it? I don't know when it was that we went over to uh, metric, well, the centigrade thing, I met money, obviously, that was at 71, the money, we went to decimal. But this other stuff, like centigrade and Fahrenheit, we've always had both. I remember early weather forecasts, they give the temperature in both. That's decades ago. And the funny thing is, now in America, you've kept yards, feet and inches, haven't you? You've kept that. Whereas we've gone metric. Now, the silly thing is, here we've got metres, centimetres and millimetres, but not kilometres. We're still with miles, miles per gallon, miles per hour. We've stuck with miles, which is odd, isn't it? Why didn't we go to kilometres? I suppose changing all the street signs would be a, a bit of a pain and hugely expensive. Most car speedometers have both on. Of course, there's the mileometer. says how many miles you've done. Now, that would have to be changed, wouldn't it? But that should be easy because cars are manufactured for other countries where they're kilometres only. I don't know. It's, it's strange. We mix things up here in Britain. We mix them. I do. I'll say two and a half metres. Well, really, that's 2.5 metres. That's like saying 2.5 yards. That's mixing the two up, isn't it? It's two and a half yards or 2.5 metres. And of course, the other thing was uh, pubs. Pubs wanted to stick to pints. You go into a pub, you say a pint of bitter, pint of lager. You don't want to say a litre. It just doesn't seem right. So it really is a, a sort of mishmash here of <laughs> various things. Miles, metres, centimetres and millimetres not kilometres. Anyway, there we are. Right, let's move on now to something a little more interesting, hopefully. Curtain twitchers, they are people that hide behind their curtains, normally a net curtain, and they spy out on the street to see what's going on. What's happening out there? What's happening? What's going on? Who's that? They spy on the postman. Delivery man comes up and parks his van. There they are, twitching behind the curtain. Who's that? What's he doing? I had a curtain twitcher lived opposite me. She'd been there for about a month. It was a rented bungalow opposite me. She'd been there about a month. No one had met her. No one knew anything about her. I didn't know her name. Some of the other neighbours were saying, who's that? Have you met her? No, I haven't met her, no. She looked to be in her 60s, if not 70s. She was quite short. When she came out, she had one of these shopping trolleys on wheels, you know, the big wicker basket thing on wheels, very old fashioned. She used to wear this big overcoat 
and a hat. She had glasses and she was bent over and she limped with her walking stick and she only ever came out. This is the strange thing. She only ever came out of her house and went up the road to the shops at night. Now, the shop, we had a local shop that sold all sorts of food and things. They stayed open till late. That's where she went for her supplies, I suppose. She didn't have a car. She'd hobble off up the road at night <laughs> and then hobble back again, limp back up the road with her basket full of goodies and slip into the bungalow. She was always twitching behind the curtains. Whenever I opened my front door, she seemed to know. I often thought that she must have some sort of sixth sense. You know, she knew when someone was opening a window or front door. Whenever I popped out into the front garden to do anything, there she was behind the curtain. I was tempted on several occasions to go over there and say, Hi, look, I'm Ray. Who are you? You know, you're now a neighbour of mine. Let's meet and let's say hello. But I, I didn't do that. I, I, she was strange. And I suppose in one respect, I didn't want to get involved. She obviously didn't want to know any of us in the road. So it was probably best to leave her alone. One evening, I happened to look out of my lounge window. It had been dark for, well, it's about nine o'clock at night, I suppose. It had been dark for a while. And I saw her coming back with her shopping. She was limping, hobbling along with her stick. And as she turned to go into her pathway, she tripped and fell over. There was a grass verge in front of all the bungalows, a grass verge, and there were rocks put along, painted white. Do you know how people do that? To stop cars parking there. And she just happened to trip over this rock as she turned into her pathway. So I went out to help her. Oh, no, I'm all right, she said. I'm all right. And I said, well, you're not. You've fallen over. Let me help you up. Let me help you with your shopping, at least. No, 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 I'm all right. And as she stood up, she looked at me and smiled and she said, sorry, I don't mean to be rude, but I, I am OK, honestly. And I said, well, look, now we've met. I'm Ray. I live opposite. I said, I'm sure you know that because you're always looking out of your window. As I said that, I thought, well, perhaps I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> she said, now that you're here, thank you for your help. Would you like to come in and have a cup of tea? Well, that was a result. Yes. I said, yes, I helped her in with the shopping. And I was quite surprised to be actually invited into the Curtain Twitcher's bungalow. It was amazing. She pointed to the lounge as we went into the hall. She said, yeah, go through and sit down. I'll be with you in a minute. She went through to the kitchen and she called out, do you take sugar? And she said again, I won't be a minute. While she was rattling around with cups and saucers in the kitchen, I looked round the lounge. No photographs, nothing, nothing personal which I thought rather odd. Normally, especially older people that have photographs of grandchildren and relatives, there was nothing like that at all. It was just a very sparse room, three-piece suite, television, no ornaments. Very strange. As she'd only been there for, what, four weeks or so, I thought that perhaps she hadn't had all her belongings delivered. She was still in the process of moving in. That would explain why the lounge was so sparsely furnished. She eventually brought in two cups of tea and put them on the table in front of me. The room was dimly lit, so I couldn't see too well. But what I did notice was her hands. Now, you know, when someone gets old, you can tell their hands age, don't they? The skin becomes wrinkled and sometimes you get blotches. Her hands were perfectly clear skin, no blemishes at all, lovely hands, as if she was in her twenties, in her thirties. As I looked up to her face, I noticed on closer inspection 
Her skin was smooth, very smooth on her face, no wrinkles at all, hardly the skin of someone in their sixties or seventies. I began to wonder whether she was a spy. Now, you might think that's silly, but I'd recently seen a film where this elderly lady was in fact a younger person in disguise and she was uh, some spy or other, and I wondered whether that's what she was up to. I imagined her sneaking into the back room and sending Morse code messages to someone abroad, some, uh, <laughs> some embassy somewhere. As she sat down opposite me, she looked at me and frowned, and then she smiled. She realised that I had realised something was amiss, something was not right at all. She still had her heavy overcoat on, you know, these old-fashioned coats that women used to wear, elderly women back in the 50s and 60s. She still had this coat on and her hat. As she stood up, she took her coat off. Her clothes didn't suit her age. She had on a, a blouse and a fairly short skirt, which seemed odd. She had these thick stockings on that uh, old ladies wear, you know, those thick stockings, a bit like Nora Batty on Last of the Summer Wine. She then took her hat off and she's watching me all the time and I was watching her all the time. We're sort of staring at each other. I think she was waiting for me to comment. Then she took her glasses and her wig off. The grey hair was a wig. She shook her head. Her blonde hair tumbled down. And it was pretty obvious that she was no more than in her perhaps late twenties. She was obviously waiting for me to comment and I didn't know what to say. And eventually I just sort of blurted out, wow, a young bird. I don't know why I said that. It was stupid. As soon as I said it, I thought, oh, what have I, oh dear, never mind. She laughed and she said, look, I better explain what's going on. I said, well, yes, it would be helpful. I said, there's me helping this old lady who's has fallen over in the street and it turns out that you're a young lady i didn't call her a bird for the second time she was very attractive actually and uh, she was a bit older than me but uh, very attractive and I, I thought goodness me i've had this uh, young attractive lady living opposite me for four weeks or so <laughs> anyway she started to explain and it wasn't a funny story as it turns out she wasn't a spy or anything like that, and uh, this is where it gets serious. She had been in a very abusive relationship with a man a couple of years older than her, apparently. She'd been with him for a couple of years. He hit her, knocked her about. She'd had a terrible time with him. She'd left him once before, and he'd caught up with her. He'd found her. He forced her to go back, and he said, "'If ever you leave me, I'll hunt you down.' And she said, eventually, I just had to go. I didn't take any of my belongings, just a few very personal things. Couldn't take clothes and things like that. She just ran. She said it was one night he'd gone down to the pub, because apparently he used to drink quite a lot. He was violent when he got back. And she just she just ran. And she found this place to rent. It, there's a lot more she told me. It's a really long story, but I won't bore you with the with lots of details. And she'd ended up in this bungalow, Hence the disguise, she was worried that he would track her down, hunt her down, as he had said he would. She had applied to, is it Deed Pole, to change her name? That was all going through. As the old lady, she called herself Amy. She didn't tell me her real name. She said, I'm going to leave that for a minute. Just call me Amy. So, of course, she had to go out shopping and 
bits and pieces like that, hence the disguise, if ever he was around, he wouldn't recognise her. And I must admit, it was a very, very good disguise. I, I had no idea. I thought she was 60s, 70s, she was bent over, limping. I had no idea that beneath the disguise was a very attractive young lady in her late 20s. Over the next few weeks, I got to know her quite well, and I did her shopping for her. She did uh, bits and pieces of shopping at the local shop, but I went to the supermarket to get other things that they didn't have. And I often popped in there, and we'd spend an evening chatting and having a beer, a glass of wine. I wonder what the future held for her. How long was she going to have to go around in this disguise? One or two of the neighbours said to me, oh, I see you've got in with her, you know, what is she all about? Who is she? And I just said, oh, she's a very shy old lady. Her name's Amy. Very shy. That's why she doesn't mix with people. I said, I've been doing one or two jobs there for her. And they accepted that. So I just left it at that. I didn't want to jeopardise her position at all, obviously. I think in total, something like three months had passed when she came over to my place. Blonde hair, short skirt, blouse, looking really fantastic. And I said, people will see you. What about your disguise? You Come in, come in. It's all over, she said. It's all over. I can now be myself. She came in and uh, we sat down in the lounge. It was one evening and she was such a happy person. I said, well, what's happened? What have you done? Shot him or something? Borrowed a gun and shot him? She said, no. She said, the police contacted me because obviously she'd reported this and that's another long story. The police had contacted her. He had gone abroad. He'd emigrated. I think she said Australia. Or was it Canada? Doesn't matter. He was out of Britain. He was out of the UK. Gone abroad. And she said, that's it. I can now be myself. A few months later, she left the bungalow, moved away somewhere. I didn't keep in touch with her, which is a shame in some ways, but uh, we went our separate ways anyway. But it got me thinking, you never know what's going on behind closed doors. You know, you, you see someone, you know someone that lives somewhere. You may not have spoken to them. They might be perhaps the type that keep themselves to themselves. And you never know the story. We're all in the street. We all thought she was some miserable old lady who used to spy on people and we used to say to each other she should mind her own business nosy old parker <laughs> nosy old parker she was a very attractive young lady there we are so you never know do you you never know who's who when i was a child i remember curtain twitches some of the old ladies in our street this is the 50s again they didn't like the sound of children playing in the road I don't know why. I quite like to hear that. Now I'm getting on a bit in years. It's nice to hear children playing. I like that. It reminds me of my youth, I suppose. <laughs> but one or two of the old ladies, they'd be behind their neck curtains looking at us kids in the road because we used to play in the road then. I don't think children do that so much these days. Well, no, you can't. You can't play in the road. There are too many cars. In our road here, the speed limit is 30 miles an hour. It's a built-up area. But some of the cars, they go racing up the road. It's incredible. They don't seem to think. Someone could step out, a dog, a child, anyone. Anything could happen. They just go flying up the road as if it's a motorway or something. They're balmy. But, uh, yeah, we used to play in the road. We used to sit on the curb on the pavement there and uh, play marbles and cigarette cards and things like that. And, of course, we were noisy at times. Kids are noisy. Especially the girls, they scream. Why do girls scream? <laughs> the boys, 
I think, just sort of shout and generally loud. But girls scream, don't they? And we had the curtain twitchers looking out. I remember one old boy, he was a miserable, no, he swore then, a miserable old chap, a miserable devil. He came out, why don't you lot clear off? Why don't you go and play in your gardens? And uh, one of the, our dads, I forget which child it was, but this dad came out and he said, uh, they're youngsters having a nice time. Why, why don't you go and back in your garden, you miserable something or other? And there was a bit of a, a set too, as we used to call it. And this miserable old bloke went back in his place. Recently, well, a few years ago, there was a block of flats built near a school here. And people moved in. They bought the flats and moved in. It was mainly old people. And what do they do? They start moaning. They start moaning to the school. You know, can you keep the kids quiet? They're shouting in the playground. They're stone their crows. I know what I would have said. <laughs> and I think I've said before, Trisha's uncle lives on a farm. He's retired now, but he worked on the farm all his life up there. And some people moved in down the, the lane somewhere and they're moaning about the cows. The cows are calving, right? They're having baby cows. And of course they're going, woo, woo. <laughs> and these people are moaning. Can't you keep those cows quiet? I don't know. Why go and live in the country? Oh, and they didn't like the smell. They didn't like the smell of the farm. That is the countryside, isn't it? You have these smells and things. <laughs> Why not go and live in the city? Then you can go and breathe in carbon monoxide. As a child, we were told to respect our elders. But I found, as I sort of got into my teens, early teens, mid-teens, I found that my elders, not all of them, but uh, quite a lot of them, were quite rude. I'd be queuing up in, say, a post office to buy some stamps, and some old woman or old chap would come in and go up to the head of the queue, moaning away, I've got time to queue up, and they go to the head of the queue and push in. And I used to think, well, you know, respect your elders. Yeah, well, why? They have no respect for us youngsters. It wasn't all of them, of course, but uh, I do remember other people. I remember other people saying a lot of old people are rude, basically. OK, here we go. Uh, switch off now. <laughs> If you don't like it. Harry. Hello, Harry. Harry says, I have to wake up to this every... Where's... Hang on, where's his recording? Here we are. He has to wake up to this every... I don't believe that, Harry. I think you've recorded this. Listen to it. <laughs> I think you've got this from the internet, Harry. Now, let me turn that off, look, before it drives us all round the bend. I reckon you've taken that from the internet, Harry. I've been looking around various uh, sites where you can download free noises, you know, birds, engines, cows. <laughs> Talking of cows, Jill, I wonder whether you're still listening. No one commented on the cow on the midweek message last Wednesday on the moo. <laughs> OK, thanks for that, Harry. I'm sure that wasn't a genuine recording. Well, it was a recording, but I don't think you did that, Harry. It says we've got a big pond in the garden. I believe you, Harry. Thousands wouldn't. Jill, I didn't mean to call you a cow. I was talking of cows. I wonder whether Jill's listening. I didn't mean it that way. I meant your cow on the farm, Jill. Right, I'm digging a, a hole for myself here. I think I'll uh, change the subject. Now for something completely different. Well, it's not that completely different. It's about old people again. Do you remember the days? I was taught as a child, we all were as kids, not only to respect our elders, but to 
open a door if you're going into a shop and there's a, an older person there, you'd open the door for them. Gentlemen would open the door for ladies, all that sort of thing. That, funnily enough, happened to me the other day. I popped round to the local shop, which is highly unusual for me because I very rarely leave the house, as you know. Anyway, I'd gone round to the local shop and a chap was coming, a lad was coming out as I was about to go in. He stepped back. He was about 12 years old. He'd opened the door to go out. He saw me. He stepped back, held the door open for me and let me go into the shop. And I said, oh, thank you very much. I was quite amazed, actually. That was lovely of him. He's only about 12 years old. Things like that do still happen these days. I just wonder what your thoughts are on that. Raise rants at protonmail.com. But that's what we were taught in the old days, manners and uh, social etiquette, I suppose it could be called. I have heard that in these days of equality or whatever it's called, uh, some women, some females don't like people opening the door for them or holding a door open for them. They don't like it. I'm not quite sure why. <laughs> no doubt someone will email me and tell me why. Ladies listening, do you like that? Do you like a gentleman to hold the door open for you? If you're going to email me, which would be nice to hear from you, of course, as always, you might include an MP3. <laughs> not, I don't know, not of noises. Well, noises if you have to. Sound effects or whatever. Things you wake up to in the morning or things you hear late at night. Late at night, we have foxes. We've got an alleyway around the back. In fact, there's a field behind us. It was a, a nursery where they sold plants and all sorts. It's now just a field. And we get foxes over there and they do scream when they're mating. I didn't know what it was when we first moved here years ago. I thought someone was being killed. Dreadful screaming. <laughs> and uh, one of the neighbours said, oh, that's the foxes. Well, I won't say what they said, but uh, mating. It's the foxes mating. Goodness me, they're noisy. There are all sorts of noises at night. Some of them are lovely. Not the seagulls, of course. They squawk and scream all night. Goodness knows why. I don't know what's wrong with them. I think they need therapy. But there are other noises. We used to hear hedgehogs sniffing and grunting around in the garden. Unfortunately, we don't have hedgehogs in the garden anymore. It's such a shame. We used to have three regulars every night. We'd put out the, the cat food for them, the proper stuff, you know, not bread and milk and all that. Proper hedgehog biscuits. And they used to snuffle about and make these weird noises while they're eating. <laughs> no table manners whatsoever. Sadly, we don't have crickets here in Britain. Well, I don't think we do. I've never heard crickets at night. What I did once, uh, daughter number one for my birthday gave me a pair of speakers and they looked like rocks. You know, you put them in the garden. They looked like rocks. They're rather nice. They didn't light up or anything silly like that. They were just loudspeakers. And what I did on my computer, I had a loop of crickets playing crickets at night recorded somewhere I don't know America or wherever and I put this on at night especially if we had people around in the summer and I just turned the volume up slightly we'd all be in the garden perhaps having a barbecue or just sitting there having a few drinks and I'd just turn the volume up slightly and they'd start saying well hang on I can hear crickets can you hear crickets oh yeah that's funny I've never heard crickets before and of course I turned it up a little bit louder as the evening went on that's quite funny. But it's a lovely sound. Perhaps some people don't like it. I suppose if you live in a place where every night you've got loud crickets, perhaps it's not so nice. It's probably annoying. 
But I do love that sound whenever we've been abroad on holiday and you hear crickets. It's lovely. A warm, a nice warm evening, sitting outside with a beer, listening to the crickets. Bliss. Talking of sitting outside and the, the countryside and animal noises. Do you remember Kate I mentioned last Sunday, I believe it was? Her lad has got some issues. We were talking about issues, weren't we, last week? And uh, I said, how about working on a farm? He didn't really want to go to work. He, he's not good at mixing. Kate made some inquiries. She found a farm not too far away and she went there and spoke to the chap. Nothing really suitable there at the moment. But she found a couple that have a small holding. Now, if you're outside uh, Britain, you might not know what a small holding is. Basically, it's a tiny farm. Well, it's not. <laughs> it's a little farm. You might have a couple of cows, a couple of sheep, a goat. Uh, sheeps? You can't say sheeps, can you? It's sheep. <laughs> Dear, I don't know what's happened. A few chickens, things like that. Grow some vegetables, grow some bits and pieces. Basically, it is a small farm. She explained her son's predicament and his problems. They said, bring him along, we'll have a go. Now, they can't afford, obviously, to take him on full time, give him a, a decent wage and all that. But that, that's not the issue. There's an aeroplane now. That's not the problem. She wants her boy to get used to going out to work, used to doing things. So fingers crossed for you, Kate. That's brilliant. I'm glad. I think she said it's only, I've got the email here somewhere, only two or three days a week at first, just helping out, doing bits and pieces on the small holding. That might be a, a taster for him or, or a way in to eventually working on a, a proper farm. So good luck with that, Kate. I did ask last week whether any of you have had issues or know of people with issues. Quite a lot of you, I'm not going to read out any emails, but quite a lot of you have contacted me. There's one in particular I must read out from Sally. She's had issues, she says, all her life. She's in her 30s now, married with children, but she still has issues where uh, anxiety, she's written here, anxiety and other things. She said the way she gets round it She'll pack her husband off to work. I like that, pack him off to work. Pack the kids off to school. And behind where they live, there's a, a back gate at the end of their back garden and it's straight into the woods. She will go and sit in the woods. Oh, lovely. I wish I had that. I really wish I had that. Sally, that would be fantastic. She takes a chair down there, a little chair, and sits there. <laughs> That's wonderful. She says, sitting there just for an hour or so, listening to the birds and the, the sound of the trees and the breeze, and she feels fine. She's set up for the rest of the day. Isn't that amazing? I like the sound of that. I do love the woods. I won't go on about that because I'm always on about the countryside, aren't I? I'm always, I always saying to Trish, I like the woods. She says, yes, I know. You must have told me a million times over the years, which I have, but I do like the woods. Here's the thing. My son in, in North Carolina, here's the thing. He is lucky where he lives. He's got woods at the back of his garden. So he can just go at the end of his garden straight into the woods. And he said uh, that he'll go and sit there. It's just a nice place to relax, isn't it, in the woods? I wonder, do you remember I mentioned Chris Packham some, oh, I don't know, must be a year ago now. And he was saying, do you know Chris Packham? They do this spring watch, the BBC winter watch and autumn watch programs all that stuff he was saying that he reckons 
there's something about the woods that could be perhaps in our brains somewhere from medieval times, you know, something in our psyche or whatever, because it was home, wasn't it? The woods was home. That's where we lived. We made our homes in the woods, log cabins and, well, I don't know about going back to cavemen times, but obviously not that far back. The smell of bonfires. Well, we would have had fires in the woods, wouldn't we, for cooking and things and warmth, things like that. And he reckons that it could be some inbuilt thing in our, I don't know, not our DNA. What's it called? You know what I mean. Some inbuilt thing that'll do. <laughs> you, know what, you know what I'm talking about. You're all sitting there now saying, I've got a clue what you're talking about. But you never know. It could be something like that, because whenever I walk into the woods, I just immediately feel at home. Perhaps I should go and live in the woods. The weather at the moment's quite nice. Yesterday we had terrific wind and rain, lashing rain, absolutely dreadful. You wouldn't think it's August, would you? Stone the... It's, I can't understand what's happened. June was a wonderful month. It was hot. I was walking around in my shorts outside, frightening all the neighbours. And the other day when we went out somewhere, we both put on a jacket. Well, not a jacket. We had one each. We both put on jackets. Now, that implies we both put on more than one jacket. <laughs> anyway, it, was, it wasn't it was very warm at all. It was quite chilly out there. Now we seem to have some blue sky. The flag is yeah, still wind from the west. And it's not too cold. The wind's dropped a bit. I hate the wind. And it's quite a nice day. So hopefully that's the end of all that. It was Storm Patricia. There we are. <laughs> Patricia, how about that? Young Tricia in a storm. The French named it that. I don't know why. I think they found it first. So they called it Storm Patricia. And that seems to have gone. Patricia's gone. She has. She's downtown at the moment with her mum doing a, a spot of shopping. Retail therapy, they call it, don't they? Retail. How can it be retail therapy? In the middle of the town, in and out of shops. That's not therapy. That's mental torture. Therapy is sitting in the woods listening to the birds. I think I'm going to need therapy next week. Dental appointment. Six months has gone already. That's amazing. It's how fast it's going this year. I know what will happen. He'll poke around in my mouth. Oh, dear. I'll say, what's the trouble? Well, oh, do you need a bit of work? I shall say no, I do not. I've just spent thousands last year, thousands with you. You're not going to pull that one on me again <laughs> or pull any out. My gum still isn't right from where they pulled that tooth out. Was it last year or beginning of this year? I think my jaws, no, not my gum, my jaw. I think my jawbone's broken. It's certainly chipped because a lump of bone, sorry, you're probably eating a dinner or something. A lump of bone fell out. But I do hate the dentist. I hate it, the whole thing. I don't mind too much having the work done. That's you, know, you just get used to that and you have the injections anyway, so can't feel anything. But it's the financial side of it. Whenever they see Trish and I walk in, they rub their hands together. Oh, oh, come in, come and have a seat. How are you? How's your bank balance doing? <laughs> uh, anyway, we've got to do it. We have to go and have a checkup. Who remembers the school dentist? Wasn't that awful? That was dreadful, the school dentist. I remember once... I went in to see him. We all had to queue up in the corridor, poked around in my mouth with hammers and chisels and things. And he said, oh, you need a tooth out. So, of course, we had an appointment to go to his practice, wherever it was in town. And he gassed me. 
He did. That's the first and only time I've had gas. He put this rubber thing over my face and he said, sniff, sniff through your nose, which I did. And my stomach felt, I felt sick. I was gassed. <laughs> and I remember, this is weird, he was pulling the tooth out and I couldn't feel it because I was unconscious or whatever. What do you, are you unconscious? I don't know. But I could hear screaming while it, the work was being done and I was gassed. I could hear screaming. And when I came to and eventually went to my mum in the waiting room, we went home. She said, oh, you, are you all right? You were screaming in there. So it was me. I could hear myself screaming. That's awful, isn't it? Of course, these days, the decent injections and the proper high-speed drills, it's nowhere near as bad as it used to be. Shall I stop talking about... No one likes dentists, do they? I said to my dentist once, I said, I wouldn't like your job because no one likes coming to see you. And he said, oh, well, some people do. And I said, well, they can't because they come here to get tortured. <laughs> he was all right. He had a laugh. He was OK. Then there was the school doctor who remembers that. He'd come and examine all us kids and poke around and listen to our hearts and things. Check our hair for nits. <laughs> who had nits when they were young? I don't think I did, actually. If I did, I don't remember that, having nits. Do they have that these days? I don't think they have school doctors go around or dentists anymore these days. They don't have school milk anymore. See, all these things, although none of us kids liked that, I hated the school milk, that was disgusting because they warmed it up beneath these radiators. But it was actually good for us, wasn't it, to have our teeth checked, to be checked by a doctor, to have milk every day. It was good for us. But it's all gone. What do children have at school now? Pack lunch, packet of crisps, a chocolate bar, and a can of fizzy drink full of sugar. Not every child has that, I know. Our kids with their, our grandchildren, you know, they go to school with proper food. They don't have a, a lunch box or lunch bag full of chocolate and crisps and high sugar type fizzy drinks. Next Sunday's podcast episode will be, I've got the title written, oh, here we are, How Things Have Changed. Now, really, I should have saved all this for Sunday, but uh, things have changed, haven't they? I might have to change next Sunday's podcast now because I'm talking about how things have changed now. Let me just get my piece of paper. Hang on. I might as well talk about this now as I have been. I've, I've written here, press one, press two. That is something that must annoy everyone around the world. In the old days, you want to speak to your bank. You'd phone the bank and you'd have a chat with someone. These days, this happened the other day. It wasn't a bank, but I was phoning somewhere. Press one if it's about your account. Press two if it's about something else. Press three if you want to speak to someone. Well, I pressed three because I want to speak to someone. I got through to someone and they said, oh, no, no, you don't want me. No, you want the other one. You've got to press something. So she couldn't put me through. I had to hang up, phone again. This time I pressed the other one. And then there's this message repeating and repeating. We appreciate your call, blah, blah, blah. Please hold on, we're busy at the moment. Then there's a load of music. Dreadful. It used to be green sleeves. Do you remember that? Years ago, they all played green sleeves, which is lovely, but not on the phone when you're waiting to speak to someone. Eventually, I got through to someone and she said, oh, hang on a second. And I got cut off. Continuous tone. In the old days, you'd phone your local bank or whoever it was and someone would say, hello, how can I help you? And you'd have a chat. I know everything's electronic now. It's all automated and it's all to do with money, isn't it? 
we won't employ too many staff. We'll have uh, we'll have computers talking to people. What do you want? Press one, press two, press three. That is really annoying, isn't it? Especially when you're halfway through your call, you get the continuous tone. That's that. You've been chucked out. <laughs> I don't think Trish ever goes to out. She deals with the money. She doesn't go to the local bank. I never go there. I don't even know where it is. In the old days, I remember the bank manager. I'd see him in the street. He'd call out, hello, Ray, how are things? I'm fine, Richard, thanks, fine. I remember going into the bank on more than one occasion and just saying to the lady behind the, the counter, any chance of seeing Richard, the manager? And she'd say, hang on a second. She'd go through to his office and he'd come out. And he'd say, hello, Ray, how can I help? Come in, come through to the office. Then he'd look to the lady, any chance of a coffee? And it was fantastic. I could sit in his office, have a chat about whatever my problem was, have a cup of coffee. Oh, not always, you know, sometimes he was busy, but it was fantastic. Oh, these days I've no idea, well, apart from where the bank is, I don't know who the manager is. I don't suppose he knows who he is. <laughs> it's hopeless though, isn't it? It seems that wherever you phone these days, you can't actually speak to a human, not unless you press one, two, three, four, five, get cut off, try again. As for the doctor's surgery, stung the doctors. It is so difficult to make an appointment. Luckily, I'm able to do it online, but a lot of people don't or can't do it online. You've got to phone the surgery. The phone line's open at eight. And of course, it's permanently engaged. When you do get through, you can't get an appointment. Oh, well, nothing this week, nothing the week after. How are you set for next uh, next December? Next December? Well, if it's nothing much, then I probably would have recovered by then. If it is serious, I might be dead. <laughs> I don't know. In the old days, when I was a boy, you could phone the local shops. I remember my mum phoning the local toy shop. Here's the thing. How about that? Phone the local toy shop. Have you got a certain... Uh, matchbox toy. We were talking about matchbox toys recently, weren't we? My son wants a certain whatever it was lorry that I was after. Hang on a second, we'll go and find out. Yes, we've got that in stock. It's half a crown, two and sixpence. How about that? Two and sixpence, halfpenny and a farthing. Two and sixpence, three farthings. <laughs> and of course, I'd uh, go over the shop with my mum. He put it by for us. Might be the last one and we could buy it. You can't phone a shop these days. They hide their phone numbers. Have you noticed? People hide their phone numbers. You go to a website. We don't have a telephone directory anymore. That's all gone. Do some people have them? Well, we certainly don't. So you go online. Right, I want to phone a certain shop to ask them whether they've got something or not. Oh, there's their website. There's no phone number. Well, there is, but it's hidden. It's hidden away somewhere. You click here, click there, go here, go there. And eventually, I just can't be bothered. I won't buy it after all. I didn't really want it anyway. <laughs> Isn't it different though? How things have changed. That was next Sunday's podcast. Now what am I going to talk about on Sunday? Any ideas? Raise rants at protonmail.com. There's one place that I do phone and they will answer the phone and you can actually have a chat properly. And I phoned them again the other day. It's our local garage. Do you remember how the engine light came on on the car? I took it in, they fixed that. Then it came on again. Took it in, they fixed that again. He said, look, if it goes off again, just phone and uh, bring it along. Well, it's come on again. That's the third time. I think I could have saved him. Take the bulb out, whatever it is. Just disconnect it. <laughs> Can't be bothered with it. I said to Trish, we'll just leave it on. It doesn't matter, does it? 
My Morris 1000 that I had back in the 70s, that didn't have an engine light. My brother-in-law's Austin A35 didn't have one. None of this modern nonsense. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that something's gone wrong. It's just come on. They reckon it's the sensor. Well, they've changed that once. I don't know. Disconnect the damn thing. That's the answer. But it was great, though. You could just pick up the phone and I mentioned my name and the car. Oh, yes, yes. And he said, actually, funnily enough, he said, it's not the engine light again, is it? Yes, it is. And he knows me. I mean, we're not friends, you know, but he knows of me. I'm a customer, a regular customer and a good customer. We've been going to them for years. And that's how it should be, isn't it? You try and phone your internet service provider or your electricity people or gas people. Well, forget it. I spoke too soon, didn't I? I'm saying the sun's shining and it's all nice and it's warm. The wind's gone. Just had an email. UK weather. Met Office issues two fresh warnings as new storm is set to pummel Britain. We're going to get pummeled. Stone the crows. We're going to get pummeled. What has happened to the summer? We had two weeks in June where it was too hot and people were moaning. And that's it. We seem to be autumnal now. That's a good word, isn't it? Autumnal. If they call it autumnal, then why isn't it wind-tumnal and sun-tumnal and spring-tumnal? Talking, I nearly said so. Do you remember Rick Mail and Bottom? Uh, Aid Ed, Ed Edmondson, was it? And Rick Mail. <laughs> I like that. Not everyone likes that, of course. Some people don't like that. But that was fantastic. Rick Mail sadly passed away, didn't he? Was he on his quad bike or something? And he, on his farm or wherever, and... Uh, I think he crashed the thing and uh, sadly he's not with us anymore. That's a shame. I've just had an email from Harry. Good afternoon, Harry. Well, is it afternoon where you are? Whatever time. Good afternoon. Hello. Nice to hear from you. Harry's in his 80s and he says the worm that turned episode. Was that last week? Yeah, it was last Sunday, wasn't it? He said talking about women being downtrodden, things like that. In the, he says, in his day, which would be, what, 50s, I suppose, he says his wife didn't want to go to work. She was the housewife. He was the breadwinner. She didn't want to go to work. She didn't want to go and do her own thing, open her own business or anything like that. She was happy at home. Harry says she did the garden. She did the decorating in the house, the painting and decorating, all the cooking, of course, the cleaning. She loved it. And the reason he says she didn't want to go to work, and most of her friends didn't, was because they could have a chat over the garden fence. They would pop into each other's houses mid-morning for a cup of tea and a chat. Listen to the radio. What was it? What they used to have on the radio? Music while you work. <laughs> Things like that. That was for factory workers, I believe. Music while you work. He said that she loved it. She wouldn't have wanted to have gone to work. He said he'd mentioned it a few times. Do you want to go to work? You know, if you want to get a job, you can. It's entirely up to you. Oh, no. No, I'm happy at home. Same with her friends. They loved it. Bringing up the children as well, he says. Mum was always there when they got in from school. Same as my mum, Harry, with a glass of orange and a jam sandwich. I used to love it. I do know one or two of my friends that were, what were they called, latchkey kids. They get in from school, they had a key, let themselves in. There was no one home, and there wouldn't be. They got home from school at, say, four o'clock. No one's in till six, half five, six o'clock. Mum's at work, dad's at work. There's no dinner, there's no tea, there's no sandwich, nothing. Which, I don't know, I, I don't like the idea of that. I used to love getting home, and my mum was there, especially in the summer. She'd have uh, a table set out in the garden, 
with my glass of orange and what I used to like was my homemade sandwiches, jam sandwiches on brown bread and a banana. Fantastic. That was a highlight of my day. I'd wait all day <laughs> to get home from school for my jam sandwich. And Harry mentions, yes, uh, the lady that was a, a painter. And uh, eventually it was, she was the worm that turned, if you remember. But her husband, in the end, really, he was the worm that turned. And Harry is saying that he, he can't understand that at all. As far as he's been concerned, or his married life, uh, they're equal. Yes, same with us, Harry, Trisha and myself. We're equal. We don't own each other. If uh, Trish wants to go to Butlins for a weekend with her friends and listen to that awful noise, <laughs> she, uh, she calls it music. I just call it an awful noise. Then off she goes. It's not a problem. And if I want to go out on my own, I can. Not that I do. I don't want to go out. I like staying here. But yes, that's a good point, isn't it? Not all women wanted to go out to work. I believe it was later on, 60s, 70s, and then, of course, 80s, 90s. Women wanted to go to work. They wanted to be part of the, the mortgage, not just the house belonging to the husband. They wanted to be part of the whole thing, and they wanted to earn their own money. There are, of course, two ways of looking at it. Great for the kids, uh, myself growing up with my orange and my jam sandwich, and, of course, mum would do baking in the day. She'd bake pies and things and make cakes and all that sort of stuff. Prepare the dinner, the evening meal. Whereas mums that went to work, they'd have to do that when they got home. Well, they couldn't unless they spent the entire evening baking cakes and things or perhaps the weekend. I do remember a friend of mine, John, his name, lived down the road from me. His mum worked and his dad and they didn't get in till about six o'clock. By the time they had dinner, it was, I don't know, half seven. And of course, before he knew it, it was bedtime. So yes, there are two ways of looking at it. There's one way, why shouldn't a lady have her independence? She's not tied to the kitchen sink. And on the other hand, it's nice to have your mum at home. It, as Harry says, he gave his wife the choice. Well, I, no, he didn't give her, I, I rephrase that. He didn't give her the choice. He said, it's up to you. If you want to go to work, that's fine by me. You know, he wasn't saying, I'm allowing you to. Back then, of course, in the 50s in particular, well, and before, it was a way of life. Women didn't go out to work. Of course, the war years in the 40s, that changed things a lot. Women were, were the land girls working on the farms in the fields. Women were working lathes, milling machines, drilling machines in factories. Women were at work. And of course, after the war, which was very unfair, a lot of them wanted to stay on at work. But the, the bosses at the various firms said, no, we're having the men back. So the women were just discarded, just literally thrown out from what I understand, which is a shame. But I think the majority of women that had children in the 50s, they were at home. They were housewives and mothers and just stayed at home all the time. I've just had an email from Rob in Australia. Nothing to do with that, but uh, what I was talking about. But interesting all the same, I thought it was. The curtain twitches. Rob says, is that the reverse of Peeping Toms? It is, isn't it, if you think about it? Peeping Toms spy into people's homes through the window, cracking the curtain, they'll, they'll spy in. Whereas curtain twitches spy out <laughs> of the you know, the crack in the curtain looking outside I don't know good point that Rob yeah nice to hear from you 
the weekend's coming up, so let's hope the weather's good. I think I'll end it here, otherwise I'll just be waffling and you'll all get bored. Take care, and I shall see you all on Wednesday with a midweek message. If you have any ideas or any suggestions, <laughs> rude or otherwise, do uh, contact me, raiserants at protonmail.com. We need an idea for next Sunday. See what you can come up with, and uh, I'll also have a think. Take care. Bye-bye for now.